AgriTalk is brought to you by Case IH. Solutions for every challenge, equipment for every farm. Case IH, built by farmers. And by propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. And by Grounded. Spray smarter and improve herbicide performance with Grounded, a multifunctional adjuvant from Helena. Here's what I would say. The markets this morning make about as much sense as they do. The stock market is exploring the upper end of its range. Corn and wheat are thinking about the upside as well. Livestock's higher. Even the stock market is up. Not too bad a day. We'll talk about economic indicators in the Midwest and get the straight scoop from two of my absolute favorite farmers. Live from the first 24 of 24 via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning, I'll begin with a conversation with Dr. Ernie Goss from Creighton University's Heider School of Business. Then it's our Farmer Forum with panelists Ben Renshi and Ted Hamer. Directly following the news, Margie Eckelkamp from The Scoop. I'm outstanding guest host Davis Michelson filling in for Chip. Good morning, beloved listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in to AgriTalk this morning. As I mentioned, I am filling in for Chip this morning. Chip is out this week uh, enjoying some, you know what, to be honest, I, I don't want to give it away, but my man's out enjoying some fun in the sun. He found some actual warm sunshine and he and uh, the missus are soaking it in, and doggone it, super happy for him. Hope you're enjoying it wherever you may be, my brother. In the meantime, you and I have got to keep the ag boat floating right here on AgriTalk, and that's exactly what we do today. I've got a phenomenal show lined up for you. It all sort of fell in together. You know, some days it's like, okay, well, it's, uh, no, this one really came together super nicely. Um I'm going to start with Dr. Ernie Goss. We haven't checked in with Creighton University's. Um, they're, they do sort of a, they call it the Rural Main Street Economy Survey, um, and it's a monthly survey of the economy. We've covered it before, uh, but for a fifth straight month, the Rural Main Street Index sank below growth neutral. I don't know how big a deal of this uh, this is. It, we're not too far below growth neutral, but we are below and I want to find out what's driving that. What does that mean for attitudes, for the way that, that farmers and ag bankers conduct business? Because we can't forget that ag banking connection to the financing that uh, so many of us rely on so heavily every year. Dr. Ernie Goss is, there's nobody better to talk about this sort of stuff. And he's got some some fresh results from his survey uh, that he'll report on for us here. And then we've got uh, Ben Renshi and Ted Hamer, both of these dudes. I mean, I'm going to pull stuff straight from the news. I'm going to pull stuff from my conversation. I'm going to run all sorts of stuff by these guys. I have tremendous respect for the both of them, um, and uh, I'm anxious to see their thoughts on a variety of things. Some we'll get deep into. Some we'll just sort of hit some quick hit, do you care, do you not care type stuff and move on from there. I'm really looking forward to today's show. And then uh, after the news here, Margie Echocamp from The Scoop. Will uh, will give us an update as to, uh, to what she's thinking about lately. So let's begin with the National Weather Service near-term weather outlook. Heavy rainfall and concerns for flash flooding for portions of the lower Mississippi Valley, Tennessee Valley, and Gulf states through Friday morning. 
A swath of freezing rain and some accumulating snowfall will impact portions of the Midwest, lower Great Lakes, hello South Bend, and the Northeast, much milder air with temperatures surging well above normal can be expected through the middle of the week. For much of the eastern half of the country yesterday afternoon, in case you missed it, we checked in with our 6 to 10 day and 7 to 14 day um, excuse me, uh, forecast from from the National Weather Service, and they flipped it from below normal temperatures expected to pretty much the entire uh, nation looking for above normal temperatures in the 6 to 10 day, and then especially in that 8 to 14 day forecast. Uh, so warming trend ahead, gang. Former President Donald Trump won the New Hampshire primary with more than 54%, while Nikki Haley held just under 44% with nearly 90% of votes counted. Trump's New Hampshire win follows his landslide victory last week in Iowa, where the former president won more than 50% of the vote. He is the first non-incumbent in the modern era to win both Republican presidential contests in Iowa and New Hampshire. Trump's win increases the chances of a rematch with Joe Biden. Uh, Nikki Haley vowed to fight on, but her loss raises questions about how long she can stay in that race. That'll be a key here, and we'll get to that in just a second. Excuse me. Um, an interesting note on the Haley campaign there. On the Democratic side, President Joe Biden also beat his challengers via a write-in campaign, defeating Representative Dean Phillips from Minnesota and author Marianne Williamson. Now, I, I'm reporting this for the for the sake of fairness and, and balancedness, but on the Democratic side, it really doesn't doesn't mean anything. It's it's just sort of nifty, kind of something that they decided that they would do. Um, this is interesting here. If Trump is convicted of a felony, 42% of voters in New Hampshire and nearly a third of Iowa's Republican caucus goers said Trump would be unfit for the presidency. I want to ask our panelists about this one, and this may be why Ms. Ha uh, Mrs. Haley is still in the race here and will hang on uh, for a little bit longer. Uh, six House Republicans have expressed their opposition to increasing the reference prices that trigger farm subsidy payments. What? They argue that during a time when Congress should be focused on reducing federal spending, it's important to resist costly efforts that expand government intervention into the free market. Yeah, I probably should bring this one up to Ben and Ted as well. Argentina led global in food inflation in 2023, beating out Lebanon and Venezuela. Lebanon uh, reported its overall price index, which was 192% compared to 211% for Argentina and 193% for Venezuela. Today marks 700 days since Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg warned the war has turned in to a battle of ammunition. And finally, wholesale beef prices affirmed um, on Tuesday, pushing cutting margins into the black which should give packers some incentive to more actively bid for market-ready cattle supplies coming later on this week. And now let me bring in Margie Echocamp from The Scoop. Margie, good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning, Davis. Yeah, looking to do a little bit of a crossover if you're okay. game for it this morning. I'm absolutely game. What you got? Yeah, so a little bit of a crossover for our ag retail and scoop audience and the other half of my role at Farm Journal, which is leading top producer and that CEO business-minded farmer. And what my crossover is referring to is a very exciting opportunity we continue to have with the team of Ag Launch. So Ag Launch is an ag technology accelerator based out of Memphis, but with a growing national footprint. And every year we help them put the spotlight on 10 startups that show great promise across the spectrum of ag. 
So in just a week and a half, if you can believe it, we will be at Top Producer Summit in Kansas City. There is still, yep, it's exciting. And AgriTalk will be there as well, as well as at least one of our farmer panelists that'll be on your show later this afternoon. But folks can still get registered at tpsummit.com. Again, that's taking place February 5th to the 7th in Kansas City. On February 6th, we will hear pitches from this year's cohort of startups. So there are 10 of them. They span everything from biologicals to some artificial intelligence, as well as some livestock applications as well. So a little bit of everything for everyone, including just being inspired about what these founders and entrepreneurs are looking to bring forward in the industry. Always a highlight of my year as I've worked with Ag Launch, but in the recent history too, we've been able to bring them into Top Producer Summit, and we're really looking forward to hosting them. Uh, bringing the the traditional farmer in to uh, into communion with the the brand new stuff coming out on the market. Margaret, lots to be excited about at uh, Top Producer Summit and with your Ag Launch cohort there. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Davis. Coming up next, we've got Dr. Ernie Goss, Ph.D. from the Jack A. McAllister Chair in Regional Economics at Creighton University's Hyder College of Business. Whew. We're going to talk about uh, the economy. Stick around. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Knowledge is power. We're here to charge your batteries. Agritalk. Welcome back to Agritalk, everybody. Your pal, Davis Michelson, here behind the big green leafy microphone in Chip's stead. Chip will be back next week. Uh, This afternoon, we've got Michelle Rook behind the big green leafy microphone. She'll have a conversation with Arlen Suderman, good friend of the show, always a, a great guest. Um, I'm going to bring in Dr. Ernie Goss from uh, Creighton University's Hyder College of Business in just a moment for some context here. Let me just read this. Creighton University's monthly rural Main Street economy survey reports falling confidence among respondents 
Higher borrowing costs, tighter credit conditions, and weaker grain prices push the farm equipment sales index below growth neutral for the seventh time in the past eight months. And economic confidence remained very weak. Um, let's bring in Dr. Ernie Goss right now. Um, Jack A. McAllister Chair in Regional Economics at Creighton University's Hyder College of Business. It's a heck of a title. Dr. Goss, welcome to AgriTalk. Good morning, sir. Yeah, you've got me. Glad to be with you. Sorry for that connection issue on my part. Oh, not a problem at all. Not a problem at all. We're just glad to uh, glad to have you with us there. Dr. Goss, um, you're over there at Creighton. You do the survey every month here. I guess maybe, you know, for the fifth straight month, we've we're below growth neutral here. I guess maybe just for a wide view, I would ask you, you know, just your general thoughts on this before we get into any general specifics, sir. Well, it's, of course, a survey of bank CEOs in rural areas of 10 states talking about uh, mostly farm conditions. And as most of your listeners will know, uh, we're talking about somewhat weaker commodity prices, agricultural commodity prices. Likewise, the higher interest rates are beginning to cut into uh, what's going on in the farm and also the global economic slowdown whether that's in China or Asia or Europe, that's having some impacts on the farm economy, and that's what bankers are telling us. Uh, looking at that, uh, at the the specific readings here, the region's overall reading for January uh, rose to 48.1. That's up from a 41.7, Dr. Goss, in December. Um, that almost feels like we're on the cusp of maybe popping back over growth positive here in my uh Am I looking at the increase and reading too much into it, sir? No, you're seeing the glass is half full. And, of course, economists, we always see it as half empty. But you're <laughs> right. Things are, things are not as bad as I'm implying. But we've seen uh, farm equipment sales, for example, decline for the seventh, seventh month out of that last eight months. Ooh. And, of course, now on the positive side, if, you, if you're a seller of farmland, farmland prices are continuing to expand at a pretty good pace. And of course, that's just a, that what we're talking about there, in my judgment, is long term versus short to intermediate term. In other words, the long term outlook for the agricultural sector is very positive. We're talking about, and now in terms of the short to intermediate term, little issues there with the higher interest rates. On the positive side, also, we asked the bankers about uh, farm uh, loan delinquencies, almost none. Delinquencies are up a bit, but less than one percentage point. So that's the good news. I think it's more to do with uh, what's going on on rural Main Street businesses. Mm. That would be the retailers. That would be the farm equipment sellers. They're seeing some slowdowns, and that's what bankers are seeing, and that's what they're reporting on. Not so much what's going on on the farm, though. Now, I'm curious here. You're When you talk about it, something you just said made me think of it. I mean, you've got your... Your small town implement dealer, they're, they're selling tractors and plows and et cetera out there, implements. Um, but then you've also got those, you know, you got the barbershop downtown. You've got, you know, Mary just opened up a little store to sell her crochet stuff and whatever. Does your survey taking into account those crochet shops and barbershops as well? Or are we just looking strictly at strictly ag-related businesses on rural Main Street? It has to do with those others, retailers, the housing okay. market. We ask separate questions in regard to that. We'll ask about retail sales. We ask about uh, housing sales, and those are down, but, but it's primarily based upon the farm economy. And the farm economy, of course, is is front and center on all, in the areas we survey, and, of course, that's what we're seeing. And the global economic slowdown, that's and that particularly in China, that's being telegraphed back to this part of the country 
And that's particularly true for the pork producers in, in Iowa, for example, which is an important sector of the Iowa ag economy. And that's we're seeing some softer numbers there. Livestock uh, beef, on the other hand, beef is holding up pretty well. And that's across all the way from Colorado to Illinois in the east. And of course, that's that's important as well. But we're seeing grain prices uh, a bit lower today than they were a year ago and lower than today than they were three or four months ago. You've got some bankers in here. Um, one specifically that you that you quoted, he's pretty concerned for uh, for how much farmers can make in the coming year. He's concerned about 2024 uh, and the uh, the balance sheets on the farm there. Where does uh, that concern come from? Mostly, I think, from higher interest rates, but also a slowdown in, in uh, the uh, softer agricultural commodity prices. Mm-hmm. And that we're seeing that we're seeing those uh, the again, again, the global economy is slowing down. We're talking about uh, uh, other factors like, the, again, farm equipment sales. And, you know, if you take a look at the exchange, the ETF, Exchange Traded Fund for Agricultural Equipment and Agricultural Products, that number is down from $90 plus per share down to $70 plus per share. That's telling us something that something is softer there in the agriculture economy. In that exchange traded uh, fund, that MOO, it's M-O-O, that's telling us companies like John Deere and others that are offering agricultural products, they're seeing some softer numbers, and that's being reflected in our survey. That's interesting. I, I don't want that to, to slip by our listeners. You're talking about that stock symbol MOO as an equipment manufacturer's ETF as a, as something that you kind of keep an eye on. Did I hear that right? We do. Uh, we do keep okay. an eye on it. It's not part of our survey, but sure. that's sure. Right. Take a look. It's not just the equipment. There's also soft products like fertilizer producers and others that are also in there. But that's down. It's it, Yesterday when I took a look at it, it was 70 plus. And that's down from ninety plus uh, a year ago. So that's some, that's that's telling us something about the agricultural sector. But I don't want to be too pessimistic. Long term, long term, we're we're in a good place for agriculture. But it's this short term downturns that we're seeing right now. Yeah, um, it it does feel like there's an awful lot working against um, the row crop farmer in the u.s coming up in the coming year there are export concerns or competition concerns and then we got this huge carryover and you're talking about um the the economic downturn in the rest of the of the world does that downturn threaten necessarily some some business coming out of the u.s or you know the stuff that that farmers are trying to sell on the export market are they enough of a gotta have kind of a thing that we can weather this storm even with the what you might call a bulging carryout? Oh, we will weather it. I mean, in other words, this this is at the margin. It is important, though. I don't want to underestimate that where there's pork sales in China or whether it's it's corn sales in Mexico. All that is important. But again, the uh, the overall, the farm sector looks reasonably strong. Now, we've got the uh, farm bill, which is well, where is that bill? I mean, right. uh, coming out of D.C., I mean, that that doesn't help. And also, some areas we're still seeing some weather conditions. That's the drought, of course. And the drought conditions in certain parts of the region that we survey is important. Um, I'm, part, of, part of your survey here led me to, um, to transitioning. The, the, the word in here, 
Um, I'm just going to read it. When asked about the share of farm clients facing generational transition, that sounds like succession planning to me. On average, bankers estimate that approximately 25% will face transition issues in the next decade. Am I thinking about this correctly when we're thinking about succession? And if so, what are these transition issues and how can we solve them? Well, the, I don't think there's much. I don't mind uh, uh, what I see there. I, I see it as more positive. Uh, okay. And that's, uh, in other words, transition. We're talking about retirement, of course, selling mm-hmm. the farm. And 50, over more than 50% say they expect those farms to go to the heirs. Another 40-plus percent say that they'll go to other farmers in the area. And that's very good. In other words, okay. we see too much, I believe, in my judgment, too much hype about the sales going to Chinese, sales yeah. going to others outside. No, it's mostly within the community, and that's good in my judgment, and that's that bodes well for the long term for the agricultural sector. For sure, for sure. Um, Dr. Ernie Goss, you've been uh, very generous with your time this morning. It sounds like, although you're you're saying you're an economist and so you see the glasses half empty, I don't know, I'm, I may be detecting <laughs> some, some bubbles of optimism in there, brother. Am I wrong? No, you're right. I, I I live in this part of the country, and I have to say, in the best part of the best nation on the face of the earth, it's Great. good to be in. Be it's good to be linked to agriculture in the long yes, term. Sir. Yes, sir. Dr. Ernie Goss from Creighton University. Thank you so much for your time, sir. Have a great day. Oh, thank you. Nice to be with you. Absolutely. Uh, we appreciate Dr. Goss's time. Well, coming up, we've got the Farmer Forum. I'm going to bounce some of these ideas off the fellas. I got Ben Renchi and Ted Hamer, a couple of really smart dudes. Let's see what they're thinking about today on AgriTalk. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. And joining us now, ProFarmer editor Brian Grady. Brian, the setup here, the stock market is higher. The livestock markets are mostly higher. And corn is higher. Grains are higher. What is going on here, dude? Yeah, uh, most of the markets are uh, showing a firmer tone here, Davis. Uh, a yeah. few exceptions to that, uh, one being soy oil, but uh, uh, and soybeans are kind of choppy. But uh, for the most part, we're seeing corrective gains in, in the corn market. Uh, the meal market's uh, rebounding off its recent lows. And meal's kind of been just a drag on, on the entire grain and, and soy complex here recently. Uh, wheat futures are working to the upside with SRW leading the way there. And, and uh, um, you know, Outside markets are supportive. Uh, crude oil's about a buck higher. Uh, the U.S. dollar index is more than 500 points lower. You mentioned the stock market being higher, and, and so um, outside markets are working in conjunction uh, uh, with the uh, corrective buying in the, the grain trade this morning. I'm going to steer us into the rhubarb just for a second here, but we have been wondering here on Agritech when that money is going to move from the stock market back into commodities here. Are we toppy enough in the stock market now, or do we push it higher, do you think? Well, the ratios would tell you that uh, commodities are really cheap compared to the stock market, uh, but I, I just don't see at the moment uh, a mass movement uh, from long stocks into uh, long commodities, to be honest with you. Right on. Okay. Uh, the cattle complex, largely higher on the morning. Yeah. Uh, so live cattle kind of choppy, but with an upside bias, same with the feeder cattle. Uh, we're still waiting on cash cattle trade to develop. It looks like it'll probably be higher this week. Uh, the question is how much. Packer margins have moved back in the black, so that's a positive there. And then hog futures, aside from the February contract, are trading to the upside this morning. Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady, I appreciate you, brother. Thanks for being here on AgriTalk.
From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. The chickens have come home to roost. Find out whose fence they're perched on today on AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. Your pal Davis Michelson here with you in Chip's stead. Great conversation with Dr. Ernie Goss from Creighton to set up our uh, farmer forum here let me bring in my first guest panelist ben wrenchy ben thank you so much for uh taking good the time to uh, be here with us today good morning sir well good morning glad to be here uh ben before we bring in uh ted here i just i want to hear you know what's on your mind at the moment what what are your priorities um what's important to ben wrenchy right now today profitability and margins I tell you, you know, in a year where, uh, you know, everything goes haywire, where interest rates go up and grain prices go down endlessly since the rallies last summer and everything, you know, I've learned from my input suppliers that they normalize the term better than expected. Because what are you going to do? You know, we didn't have much rain. We didn't have a big crop here. So you go out and you ask if the crop is better than expected. I want to normalize the term worse than expected. How's the grain market? Worse than expected. How's the interest price? Worse than expected. How's the farm equipment price going for you? Worse than expected. How's the weather? Still really hasn't started snowing or raining here since last year. So it's worse than expected. Let's normalize worse than expected. Wow. Wow. I like that. I like that. If you've got some pamphlets or something, send them over to Joe Stackler. I'll read them. Ted Hamer. Uh, okay. Come on in here, buddy. I feel like I'm surrounded by economic pessimism this morning. Where's your head at? Well, I was going to say that, uh, you know, I'm so good. If I was any better, I'd have to be twins. But <laughs> now I'm wor- now I'm worse than expected. No, go with that. Go with that. <laughs> <laughs> Ted, what, uh, what, what consumes your thoughts these days? You know, I... I spent a lot of time in the office, and I'm, it's just like Ben saying, spent a lot of time in the office, kind of like what we were showing on the balance sheet as the end of this year. 
And then we jump over and start working on cash flows and cost of production for this year. And profitability uh, seems like a monumental task for this year going forward. Yeah. I'm just making a few notes here. So, you know what? I I sent you fellas um, a list. I'm going to jump clear to the clear to the very end because I feel like where you're starting us here, Ben, let's let me send it over to you and Ted. I'm going to ask you, you know, to pipe in as you see fit here, but marketing for 2024 and then beyond. I mean, your your main concern is profitability, Ben. Um some would say in times of trouble, circle the wagons, keep doing what you're doing, no big moves. Others would say, yeah, let's stay flexible. Let's change our approach for marketing in 2024 so that we can have a beyond to market. Um, are you changing your approach or sticking to your guns for 2024? Well, my marketing for last year could be only described as worse than expected. I, uh, you know, hard to, you know, Sure. Yeah. Sell it all when uh, CZ 23, new crop uh, 23 corn was six bucks. Uh, mm -hmm. Well, you know, it didn't rain here all last summer. And, you know, it's just hard to pull the trigger like you should. We sure. made some sales. We took some, we had some puts, but nothing like we should have, you know, given what we've had. Mm -hmm. I think that there's, uh, you know, I think there's some factors in the market. Um, some educated opinions I talked to this week. They think that AI is having a huge impact on the uh, velocity and the, the magnitude of the moves in our markets, mm. that these computer learning models just drive us so far in one direction, and they've been successful pushing our grain markets down. Um, yes, you can point to the uh, private and NAS numbers and say that there's you know, ample supplies. But, uh, you know, that historically that uh, we're probably at fairly good prices for uh, the amount of carryover we have. And then, you know, you've got your crowd that will say that, oh, my goodness, you know, the market doesn't care about cost of production. Well, in the shorter term, no. But in the longer term, I mean, fringe acres aren't going to get bid in. Look, let's look at this year's uh, upcoming planting intentions. If corn, new crop corn is, uh, you know, a four dollar thing, four to five dollar thing. I don't know. There's not as many places that make sense to plant four and five dollar corn as seven dollar corn. So I imagine acreage royals in. We uh, dial back the uh, the groceries we throw at the crop, fertilizer, fungicides, inputs, and you know we we pull things back. I uh, my personality is I can't. I don't have that much of a survivorship bias. I can't pull the trigger on selling a lot of new crop now because. History will tell us sometime this summer we'll have a scare and we'll have some better prices and hopefully it won't be over me again. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of waiting for a little better opportunity to sell uh, because right now it's worse than expected. Mm -hmm. But that does sound like the type of deal where once you do get that pop, boy, Ben Wrench, you better be ready, better be paying attention, better know what that number is and pull the trigger. Fair statement? You know wouldn't a 40 cent rally in new crop corn feel like a gift right now? Oh, I, I think, I think you better, you know, yeah. I mean, if you, if you're ready to sell it there, you probably ought yep. to have some orders in place to buy some puts, you know, or something like that. So, yep. or at uh, least, or at least have a concept of what those, those numbers might look like. Ted, uh, what's, what's your approach in these turbulent times here? Are you changing it or sticking to your guns? 
I think we stick to our guns from the standpoint of, you know, the right now, and Ben's 100% right, it's worse than expected. But I also think that, you know, we, we, we normally have a fair amount sold by, you know, I would say maybe 25% of our 24 production is priced, you know, was priced a while ago. I think we have to, you know, take advantage of those things when we're there. I'm a little concerned that some of the people we work with right now are suggesting that uh, we even start looking out to the 25 crop at $5. And, you know, that mm. has me a little concerned, but also I know that what they're thinking. And, you know, if you go back to a short crop like 2012 and then how great prices were, and while this wasn't necessarily a short crop, if you look at all the charts, we're headed down on trend and while your previous guest was talking about longer term agriculture looks great it's the near term just remember from 2013 to 2018 that was a very very struggling time for us and that's about where we were on those carryouts then and and those type of things concern me about how long could this last because we're you know if if they're right on the size of the crop that we had this year yeah. We're good at growing. We're good at growing crops. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Is that or writing is, fiction? I don't know one of the two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I I just wanted to ask you Ted real quick. Um I know that that Caleb is around your son. Um genera- generationally is your approach aggressive enough? Uh too aggressive? What what does Caleb make of of your marketing approach? I'm just curious. Well, to be honest, he's he's handling it. I mean, we made the transition okay. back in 2019. Yep. So Scott and Caleb uh, Banken, they mm-hmm. each own 40% of this uh, operation now, and I'm just 20%. So okay, and uh, and I will tell you this, and I would tell a lot of older guys out there, do it. You can't have more fun because these mm-hmm. guys let me do the things I like to do, and then. When the salesmen come in and knock on the door and they want to visit, I say, ah, you're talking to the wrong guy. And that makes it really nice too. So you get to do that. And, and yet, I mean, I, I think if I can use the term, I think they're kind enough to let me at least feel like I might be the chairman of the board, mm-hmm. but you mm-hmm. know what? They're, they're, they're the managers and they're calling the shots. And I couldn't, first of all, I couldn't be more proud. And second of all, um, I am having a blast. Yeah, good, good. That's that's what it's about. I'm glad to hear you're in that spot there, Ted. Um, yeah, that succession can be can be tricky. Um, ben, I want to I want to ask you some questions about carbon capture. Um, from your view, yeah. what is the latest? Are we gaining traction there? Honestly, I haven't heard a whole lot lately about carbon capture. So, can you just give us a quick brief update about where that's at? Yeah. Well. When this came out of the chute, everybody wanted to be into it. And there were some yeah. early programs to incent farmers to, uh, to try and be more regenerative in their farming. And really, they are just thinly veiled marketing schemes. You know, we can either put $5 million in the advertising budget or we can give you a little jingle for planting a cover crop sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But there's kind of sorting themselves out, and there's some real ones out there, and they require that you uh, actually make an active effort to uh, – be a better farmer, be more planet positive. 
But what I think you really need to watch in this, my son, I, I too have a younger generation coming on our farm and my son has been particularly good at just, you know, did you start this process by walking into the FSA and RCS and talk to them about, you know, some of their programs. Hmm. And it's amazing what, what he's, you know, got us signed up for in the next year or two. And then there's some private ones that the consumer package good companies have to say that they have some sort of carbon reduction sustainability initiative and they've printed in their annual report and they don't want to go to the to the gray bar hotel for not meeting these things and so there were some some things that came up this spring we signed up for that pay real money i mean real money like trade pickup money uh for doing some smart things on our farm and last but not least, in the carbon space, what you need to be watching right now is these 45Z tax credits that are, you know, part of the, I believe they're part of the Inflation Reduction Act or tied closely there too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that the, the uh, renewable fuels manufacturers should be able to pass some of this value on in their, in their grain bins. So make sure you know what they call. If you don't know what a carbon intensity store is, that's what you need to do. Find your CI score. Carbon intensity score, uh, Ben. That's that's a uh, that's a really great great update there. Uh, I may swing us over into those biofuels and start with Ted Hamer. We're going to go lightning round through the fourth here to get through the rest of this on AgriTalk. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. They'll hate all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. We've cleared the schedule for you. Give us a call at 855-482-5524 and join the conversation. Normally, beloved listener, I would affirm that, but no, there's no time. Don't call. Don't call. There's no time because we got to go lightning round here. I've got Ben Renchi and Ted Hamer, a couple of farmers from Iowa. Um, Ted, I'm going to throw it over to you, Biofuels. Um, what are you excited about, if anything, in the biofuels? And I might even just sort of roll in domestic demand expectations because it feels to me like domestic demand expectations can get out of hand in a hurry. Your thoughts? Well, I, that's what we've been told now for about two years, you know, that right. we aren't going to be able to grow 
grow enough soybeans for the renewable diesel and all that kind of stuff. I'm I'm ready for it. It could happen, you know, if they want to if they want to get to that level that they say we need to be at tomorrow, that's fine with me. Let's get there. Um, but you know, as, as everything, it, it, it takes time to get there, but I am excited. I mean, I think it sounds great. Um, I like the fact that they're buying my soybeans and, Mm -hmm. and the fact that we have uh, big oil on our side this time in this debate where in the ethanol side, we didn't, Mm -hmm. um, that, that, that will help. That definitely helps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an that's an interesting wrinkle, um, Ben. Domestic demand expectations in 2024 and through 2030. It's a big topic. Uh, I guess basically my question is: Are expectations realistic from those that you've spoken with? I would say wholeheartedly so. Uh, touching on what Ted just said, uh, okay. If you want any sort of counterpoint with all the new soy crush. Uh, capacity going in, I will say that uh, before you count it all as additional market, I think some of that is actually going to replace some very uh, dated infrastructure and soy crush. So, you know, but if you have a 75% catch catch rate, this is still a huge new increase in soy oil demand. Mm -hmm. Now on corn, I will make the argument, if you look at corn ethanol use, and I know you can find a headline every day that says that we're either going to not sell ethanol or we're going to triple it. Ethanol demand is relatively constant. I mean, it doesn't look like the corn chart in terms of variability. I mean, it yep. looks like if you don't have a pandemic or you don't have an annual kind of fall shutdown, mm-hmm. it kind of looks like it vacillates a few percent. It's yeah. not a crazy huge increase or decrease. It's here to stay. It's part of the infrastructure. Well, you might say actual demand for ethanol is worse than expected, but maybe we would take stability over huge volumes. Ted? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, And I don't know where you want me to go with that, but I just, you know, yeah. It, yeah. yeah, it's just that, you know, there are some exciting things out there, and I, yeah. and I do think long-term agriculture does look very promising. However, you know, you kind of talked about some other topics we could talk about. There does seem to be a lot of push against us as farmers. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you got John Kerry out there trying to tell us that, you know, we're causing all this climate change. And, right. you know, so th- those those type of things do concern me. Mm-hmm. That, well, and here's yeah. this. I've got, a, I've got a news story here just from just this morning. French farmers staged protests uh, Wednesday, today, across France and in Brussels yep. against low wages and what they consider to be excessive regulation, mounting costs and other problems. Now, fellas, I wasn't going to bring up the, the, uh, the Davos Summit with the World Economic Forum, but I'm seeing some significant pushback on some of these globalist ideas, some of these ideas that that want to uh, that would be critical of the of the farming industry, and uh, we're seeing European farmers push back in big ways. Um, I don't know, guys. Does a does an election fix it here? I don't know who wants to weigh in on that. No, one. no. It, it, well, I'm, no. I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump in real quick. Yeah, no, do an election doesn't fit, doesn't fix it because. Here's the thing. 
business grows at the speed of trust and mm-hmm. we don't trust, we don't trust, we don't trust who's in charge anymore. And that's unfortunate, but that is the truth. Um, we don't trust that whoever is in control of the white house or Congress. And that's why it's, it's going to take a long time to build that trust back before it will grow. Yeah. Yeah. Ben, well, you, Joe, uh, yeah. you know, we've maybe, we, we've maybe reached peak Davos, you know, I mean, yeah. let's face it. The world economic forum is where the billionaires tell the millionaires to have their working people give more entitlement to the people <laughs> who don't want to work. And so anyway, you know, it's, but I think the message, you know, is that look at Germany, you know, if you've seen any of these tractor rallies in Germany, the past yeah. 10 days, it's just fascinating, you know, that you can only push people so far and then they break. And yeah. we had a couple German, uh, interns at our farm last year. They're, they're driving tractors to, you know, Hanover and Berlin and, and uh, you know, representing their families don't want to be oppressed. Yeah. I think that's very cool. Very cool. Um, Quickly, I I want to move to the New Hampshire primary just really quick, just because of this question here, and I think it was probably from an exit poll, but um, they report if Trump, uh, former President Donald Trump, is convicted of a felony, 42% of voters in New Hampshire and nearly a third of Iowa's Republican caucus goers said Trump would be unfit for the presidency. Now, I maintain that the Republican side is convinced the Biden, families are, Biden family complete criminals. Meanwhile, on the other side of the aisle, everybody's convinced that Donald Trump is a complete criminal. When we're talking about trying to find the middle here, um, I don't know. How concerned are you if Trump is convicted of a felony? Uh, ben, let's throw that to you quickly. Well, uh, on one of the farmer boards I serve, uh, we get very good Washington insight and Probably what I heard about this. Look, most of the cases have been brought by some sort of activism or activist, activist right. judges. And uh, I think that as you as Trump becomes clarified as the nominee, you ask yourself as a judge whether you really want to say Trump, you know, attack some woman in a Macy's fitting room, you know. Right. Maybe, uh, maybe uh, you know, so maybe some of this backs off. I think mm. this is about, you know, winding people up so that they watch you know what yeah. the news that's what yep. it's about wind people up so they watch the news man that's uh that's right there um ben wrenchy thanks for being on the show this morning we really appreciate your time brother uh have a great day hey this was not worse than expected this was better <laughs> than expected. absolutely and ted the hammer appreciate you brother have a great day ted yeah, thanks. I was going to say that, Ben. I was going to say the show was worse than expected. <laughs> All right, I'm cutting you guys off. Michelle oh, Rourke has Arlen Suderman this afternoon on Agritalk. <laughs>